Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. So we are recording here on the 26th of July, and I feel like this is this is our new opening monologue every time. Hey, everyone, welcome to Our Soul. Everything might change between the time that we're recording this and the time that you hear our voices in three or four days, because... So much is in motion right now around abortion access and uh, reproductive health rights and justice, not just around the nation, but particularly in our region, right? Um, just a reminder, right now in the state of Ohio, we have a an extraordinarily restrictive um, about six-week ban. So abortion is still legal in Ohio, but only for very limited period of time and then you have to engage other options like going to other states except some of our other states decided to call these special sessions of the legislature in indiana and west virginia to try to further criminalize abortion access so right now as we speak there are hearings going on in indiana and in west virginia their respective legislatures are considering different, albeit very similar proposals to fully criminalize abortion, to fully ban abortion, and to not include those traditional, what um, you know, some proponents have called catastrophic exemptions, right? Exemptions for rape, incest, or life of the pregnant person. Big trigger warning, we're going to have conversation about sexual assault in this episode. Just throwing that out there. And I only bring those up because we had a situation here in Ohio that just went like all over national news mm -hmm. in a really dramatic way that we're going to talk about today. We had a story of a 10-year-old child who needed access to abortion care and who wasn't able to get access to abortion care in the Buckeye State because we banned abortion past six weeks, last menstrual period. And this 10-year-old was six weeks and three days by the calculation mm -hmm. and had to go to Indiana. Now, the big frustration for so many Ohioans around this was the thought that Ohio would need Indiana to supply us with more progressive health care because we have this real bias in Ohio where we just kind of look down on Indiana. I'm, I'm going to say it out loud, right? We do. We look down on Indiana because <laughs> Indiana always does, Indiana always does like the wild and bizarre before we do, right? They, they had Mike Pence. They did all the like, you know, banning, um, uh, menstrual products in certain school systems, like just, just wild things around comprehensive sex ed. It's just astronomical. So we just make the assumption that things are going to be worse in Indiana, and they aren't right now for abortion access, at least for the moment, right? Mm -hmm. So Not as right. Have, yeah, we, we, we had this story of this 10-year-old child, and I say child because a 10-year-old is a child, right? Yes. This 10-year-old child who needed a, access to abortion care, and it blew up because our attorney general and a lot of other supposed-to-be-really-smart uh, people <laughs> decided to do really dumb things like run their mouths on the internet and question this child's story, question the 
veracity of the the medical staff that you know we're we're not able to report fully on this because it's not their freaking story to tell right Mm -hmm. but who were trying to balance the the public's need for accurate information of like what um what is going on in these states with the patient's right to privacy and it just it just blew up all over the place right and we became like the experts in having a conversation about some 10 year old child's uh, worthiness for abortion in this weird, sick, twisted conversation that got so far away from should a person have bodily autonomy and freedom in general. It became mm-hmm. this very specific, very targeted, um, you know, conversation about a 10 year old and rape and incest. Yeah, I. So setting that stage, um, you know, <laughs> Kelly, you and I have talked a little bit about this, and yeah, I think we're of one mind in that. Yes, it is tragic that a ten-year-old is put into this position of having to, you know, travel out of state, have their family, you know, transit them out of state to get access to abortion care, and at the same time, like every denied abortion is tragic, right? Mm-hmm. Like. How how you feeling about particularly the the conversation about the ten year old how it exploded in the media but also like in general the landscape I I hellscape I don't know what the word is to describe Ohio right now for repro access <laughs> how you feeling yeah yeah no I mean I when I think about this story I think about like. Uh, especially as a person who has survived, you know, sexual assault and, and stuff like that, like to, to have that, especially thinking about at that young of an age to have, to know that there are people talking about, you know, this 10 year old. And I, I just think of this person and, and, and hope that they're like getting care and taking care of themselves um, because it feels like an extreme um, void of their privacy, you know, just to, to continue to talk about this particular instance and for the public to need to know, you know, more information about why somebody needed access to abortion. My first concern is like, I hope that this child is okay. And I think what really gets to me about this situation is, People want to hear about something that they see as tragic or like it's just like hot in the news right now or like whatever um, of somebody who is not necessarily consenting to having their story be told. And yet, like there are people who are consenting to having their story be told. You know, we have our Patients to Advocates program, these people who are, you know, training and um, becoming advocates from their own abortion stories. Like we could be focusing on telling their abortion stories, but rather people are focusing on why did this child get an abortion? And on top of that, like to, I, there's just so much prying into somebody's personal life. And I mean, like regardless of the fact that they are a child, that does not mean that that child should not have access to their own privacy and their own, you know, space to like, regardless of the fact that they had to go out of state, I think like this is probably a very traumatic event for them. Um, And 
they should be afforded privacy in this moment. Um, but, yeah. but they're kind of like losing that. And that that is just like very harmful. And I think like as we continue to live in this like post Dobbs world, we continue to see more and more of that like, you know, our privacy is not protected. And so what does that look like in this world? And apparently that looks like a lot of people talking about what a 10 year old does with their body and the kind of decisions that uh, they're, they have to make. And, you know, nobody, you know, it, it's just an absurd conversation that we're having and such an overreach into somebody's personal life. And I think, um, you know, we had a conversation a while back um, with, uh, it's, it's a doctor, right? Is it? Dr. Dr. Sue, Sue Ellen Bronlin. Bronlin, yes. Yeah. Um, we talked to her about, like, uh, children and, like, them learning to give consent and them learning about sex ed and, and these kind of things. And I think that, like, you know, as I'm thinking about this story and these, these um, what I see is, like, in a way overreach into somebody's privacy, um, I also think about, like, how we often uh, disregard a child's privacy and disregard, you know, uh, a kid's right to be able to, like, be their, their own person. And this just, like, is a continued part of that, like, I guess cultural understanding that for some reason kids don't have privacy, but, like, kids are full, you know, separate beings... Um, and I, I think that, you know, especially when coming to these kinds of things, if, uh, if a child is not consenting to their story being publicly told, like, why are we focusing so much on it? You know? Right. And, you know, the, the episode we did with, um, with Dr. Bronlin, Sue Ellen Bronlin, um, it was consent to the importance of bodily autonomy at every age you know, Sue Ellen is a fantastic doctor and anesthesiology specialist who also is a certified Our Whole Lives instructor, Our Whole Lives being the, the uh, comprehensive sexuality education curriculum through the Unitarian Universalist Association and the United Church of Christ. I have to do a little plug for my UCC <laughs> folks, right? Um, so Sue Ellen Bronlin and Carolyn Meager are two very, very dear friends from Indiana, right? Important, from Indiana, um, have done trainings with us here at Faith Choice Ohio around our whole lives, the conversation about consent, what it means to teach children that their bodies belong to them and their stories belong to them, and they get to have that control and that authority. Um, these folk are on the ground right now fighting for bodily autonomy in the waning days of abortion access in the state of Indiana. And the idea that this story of a 10-year-old getting care in Indiana sparked off this just really ugly political fight in, uh, you know, Indiana politics around whether this this child should have had access in the state and how this should you know go about there are now discussions around so what should the exceptions be right if we're going to ban abortion what should the exceptions be and i find that so 
so darkly fascinating, right? That we as Americans love to know the background story of whatever really tragic, obviously, obviously unjust situation that makes the news. We want to know all the details of that. I guess because we want to like explain it away and make ourselves mm-hmm. feel better about the fact mm-hmm. that this is the world we have built to live in. But like, mm-hmm. I, you know, we were sharing earlier, I feel like this really reeks of the same kind of whataboutism that happens when we see a police involved shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to know every detail of every moment. Like they want the CNN 24 hour news cycle, like break it down. Give me the timeline. I want to know all the details. So then people mm-hmm. can just pick it apart and feel good about, well, this is why this happened and it's never going to happen to me because these things are never going to be part of my life, right? It like mm-hmm. helps people insulate themselves from the cruelty of a system that's designed to wear us down and to harm us and to not give us good outcomes. And the fact of the matter is, a 10-year-old should not be forced to become a parent. Mm-hmm. That's pretty clear. And this is the world we're building in the state of Ohio and have already built that a 10-year-old could be forced to become a parent Mm -hmm. if our laws were the law across the whole nation, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's not hypothetical. It doesn't take additional information. You don't get a right to access all the information you need to make yourself feel better about the cruelty Mm -hmm. you forced on other people. And... You know, the state of Indiana right now is struggling with the same questions, as is the state of West Virginia. West Virginia voted down any exemption to their total abortion ban in their health committee yesterday, right? They're expected to have a public hearing on that particular bill after it leaves, uh, you know, their house. They're going to have a public hearing on Wednesday, it's scheduled, and then it can go to the Senate, and then it eventually goes to their governor, to Jim Justice, to get signed, right? They're going to move very quickly on this. But the idea that they voted down any exceptions for rape, incest, or life of the parent tells you exactly where they have decided to put their their ideological um, you know, stakes in this mm-hmm. fight. They've decided mm-hmm. it's okay. Not only is it okay to force to force ordinary people, big quotes around that, air quotes, right? Because the, mm-hmm. the, the distinctions between the exceptions and everybody else are BS, right? Everybody has a right to an abortion. It doesn't matter what the reason is. In, in my ideology, my theology, I think people have a right to the care that they decide to access, right? Mm-hmm. But even even if you buy into the BS that some things deserve an exception and some things don't, these people have said nothing deserves an exception. There are no exceptions. We're literally going to pretend that it is just and righteous and holy to force 10-year-olds to become parents. I, like, where do you go? Where do you go with that? Like, and right? I don't, I, I cannot understand like this and how, how people can have that kind of mindset, especially when I think about like the physical like state that somebody has to go through. You know, you talk about like, oh, a 10 year old becoming a parent, but even, you know, people could say, oh, they could like put that kid up for adoption. But like the kind of physical transformation that a person goes through mm. to become a parent to physically produce a child like is 
like traumatic for one and like i the the idea of the the body of a 10 year old child having to carry carry another child like you know having to give birth is appalling to me and i don't know even like how that how that can work but regardless like i don't i don't I don't understand. I, I truly like am at am at a loss for people who, you know, look at this situation and say like, oh, you know, everyone should have to go through this if they, you know, quote unquote like make the decision or like be reckless or whatever they're trying to say is the excuse that, you know, somebody has a child that they didn't want. I, I don't get how we how we got here. Like I don't get how people and and I think one of the reasons and and this is the part of the the reason that you know I do this work with Faith Choice Ohio is like I don't get how people can take this faith that I care about so much and use it as the excuse as the baseline for forcing people to go through traumatic like hard physical changes to their body physically changing like their hormone imbalance and like who they how their life you know continues and they're doing that under the guise of god a a god that they do not know in the way that i know god and I don't know. I'm just it's just well, appalling to me. And and let's be let's be really clear here, right? Like I I'm an ordained Christian clergy person. It's not just any god and it's not just any religion. They're doing it in the name of Christianity and a particular uh-huh. brand of Christianity, right? Cuz we did not see no fundamentalist Jews out here. Like our Jewish sisters and brothers are like, "No, listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we 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 are not we are not in that in that boat or that wheelhouse. We, you know, we have fundamentalist Christians in a fundamentalist evangelical ideology that are driving their religion home into the bodies and the spirits and the futures of people who can become pregnant in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And for me, as a Christian, I am absolutely without explanation when it comes to how these folk who believe in a god who supposedly became flesh by asking consent of Mm -hmm. a woman Mm -hmm. right of of receiving consent from mary herself in our christian tradition my christian tradition god asked mary and mary gave consent how can you take that story and make it into this weaponized bastardized concept of we are now going to force what god would not force on mary we're going to force on every single person in our state Mm -hmm. in the name of religion don't tell me that that has anything to do with logical religion, with with a truly connected spirituality. You're not even being true to your own religious tradition. You're taking your religious tradition and using it as a pretense for your ideology in politics, for your partisan ideology 
to force mm-hmm. this onto people's bodies. People are getting paid left and right to make decisions that advance a a forced, you know, fascist capitalism on our bodies and our spirits and our souls, and they're doing it with these highly charged, highly emotional decisions around things that should not be anybody's business but the people whose bodies mm-hmm. are bearing the consequence. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what gets me even beyond that is that like when they're they're already making these decisions they're already being anti-abortion they're already using christianity as a as a baseline for their anti-abortion politics and then you know stories like this this child in ohio who had to go to indiana to get care come up and they don't even like they don't even backtrack on that they don't even like make any you know they just like go into the situation and try to find a way to blame the people who it happened to you know trying to find a way to blame the situation specifically rather than the fact that there's this larger problem that people can't get access to care and that you know bad things continue to happen like i don't you you (laughs) are like what doesn't compute for me is that like you're faced with something that contradicts, you know, what you say you believe in, especially about, like, caring so much for children. And you don't even make any changes. You just keep keep on trucking with the same kind of, like, politics and, and logic that you were going with before, even though it does not align with what you're saying you're aligned with. Like, that does not, right. does not make sense to me. And it, it, it just, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the fascinating things for me, you, you mentioned that, the idea that even though your ideology doesn't comport with the facts, right, you're going to keep pushing mm-hmm. it. We, we have this, like, bizarre adoration of abortion information in Ohio. It, it really, it, it came, you know, early in the 2000s. It came out of this anti-abortion zealot desire to control, restrict, and malign abortion providers by forcing them to just just make tons of reports on ridiculous statistics. Every little idea and concept behind, like, you know, what is the age, what is the race, what is the marital status, the education, the residence county, like all these all these data points, right? that are required by state law now to be collected on abortion patients get compiled every year into the Ohio abortion report, which is this like 40 to 50 page report. Um, You know, we'll link it in the show notes. You can go and look back all the way to like, I don't know, 2003, 2004. Um, So like, you know, 20 years worth of of material um, that show all of these statistics And they make sure to kind of blur the edges, right? Because the places where the state really does not want to have to get into a conversation is tracking those under 15 numbers, Mm -hmm. right? People who are under the age of 15. Because people hear like, oh, a 10-year-old had to have an abortion. And, you know, I, I literally had people in my orbit, like, you know, friends and colleagues who said, oh, but a 10-year-old, like... How often does that happen? Like once every three or four years? Probably more often and than I, you think. I laughed out loud because like mm-hmm. you can go 
to the abortion report that these folk like love to get the statistics and and mess with the numbers and do it. You can go to the abortion report and take a look. Like I've got I've got 2020 sitting in front of me right now, right? Under 15 years of age in 2020, there were 52 procedures performed. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now here's here's the kicker though. Here's the kicker. You go back 10 years to 2010, there were 182 performed Mm-mm. under the age of 15 years. So like and- like we have a situation in the state of Ohio that has gotten progressively better with access to abortion care and mm-hmm. lots of other things, right? Birth control, mm-hmm. sex education, you know. Mm. Well, we are running out of time, but I think like what I have really learned where where people want to talk about like, oh, why did this person need an abortion? What I'm hearing is why why is it that Ohio has not provided for its people um, in the care that they need and also in the education that we need? You know, thinking about that um, podcast that we had with um, Dr. Sue Ellen Bronlin, like talking about teaching kids how to you know, know their own bodily autonomy and know what kind of touch is inappropriate and know how to speak up for themselves. What I'm hearing is Ohio is not like providing the right kind of sex education and education around consent and education around bodily autonomy that it should be. And I know, you know, thinking back to my own experience in high school and middle school around sex ed, that's definitely not what I got. And I imagine if people who um, are having kids or, um, you know, being around kids and and educating kids, if they had the kind of education that I had, they may not, (laughs) they may not have the kind of tools to teach those kids the, the things that they need to know to um, be in a situation where like, and I'm not even saying that like, people shouldn't have sex. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that people should be able to consent and should be able to know how to access contraception in situations that uh, they want it. And people also should have access to abortion regardless. And so like when I'm thinking about this situation and, you know, as we move forward, I think that something we should think about is like, um, why is it that for a lot of people, the story of a 10 year old who had to get an abortion outside of the state is more important to dissect and to look into than listening to the myriad of people who are consenting to telling their abortion stories and who have powerful abortion stories as well um, who are consenting. You know, why are we choosing to... uh, 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 like do something without consent to a child. <laughs> That's essentially what we're doing by telling her story and focusing on the story again, um, rather than right. Yeah. Rather than using the, the stories of people who actually have consented to it. So, you know that <laughs> we're at the end of our podcast for today, but you know, something to think about. You know, listening to the stories of people. There are lots of abortion storytellers. There's our patient to advocates program. um, And we need to be listening to the people who are consenting to telling their stories. And 
you know, knowing that regardless of age, regardless of reason, um, people should have access to abortion. So even if by the time that this podcast airs, uh, you know, Indiana or West Virginia or like whatever state totally bans access to abortion, it is, I mean, that's not going to stop abortions from happening. And um, we are fundamentally against that. So uh, go forth with uh, righteous anger as I am. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.